Welcome to episode 61 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend, Amanda Thieb. Now, Amanda has been on the program before. When we are together, the topic of conversation is usually menopause. And I will be having Amanda back on in a couple of months to discuss her new book called Menopocalypse that will be coming out in October. But today's topic is actually COVID-19. Amanda fell ill with COVID back in April, and she is part of a growing group of people we are finding out more about called long haulers. They are people whose symptoms do not go away in the expected time frame. Here we are 12 weeks later, and Amanda is still quite ill. And so we're going to talk about that today. Hi, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Got up, had a walk. You're not recording now, are you? I guess you are. God, that's me all over. You did say you were going to just get stuck in. So first of all, I need to apologize. I have this terrible cough. Well, obviously, we'll go into that. And it's just yes. bad today. And I just oh. want to cough all the time. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No apology needed. So you've looks already like been you up. A, looks, like, looks like you had a wash and a shower too. I, good you. Yeah. I got up. I got right. I haven't gone for a walk yet today. I messed around too much to have time for a walk, but I'm going to have a walk after this. So what a slacker. Okay. I know. Well, I've been trying sure to do you- my walk early because it gets really hot here now, like in wet, like it's really humid here. And so if you go out for a walk midday, like, okay, you'll watch me later on my story. See how my hair looks now. It's going to be about 12 times the size when I go outside today. <laughs> well, I live in Texas. So what are you going to do? It's the same here. 100% yeah. humidity right now. Yeah. That's so. right. I was surprised Texas is humid. I went last summer and I couldn't believe, I could not believe <coughs> All of a sudden, big Texas hair made sense to me. I was like, yeah, totally. I have good hair here because I have really thin hair. And here I have like big hair and I have good skin because the humidity really yeah. helps, right? Um, but Houston, Austin, and like the hill country is green and lush. And Houston is a really green and lush place because of the lovely, it's like tropical almost. But then you go further out west and it's like dry and arid like you would, like you see in the movies, you know? Yeah. And so compared to, you, you, you all listening might not know this, but Amanda is not a native Texan. I know that's shocking to hear from her voice. <laughs> Amanda, how does Texas compare to England? Do you like both of them or do you prefer England? So the best way to describe, um, for me to cope with it is not to compare it. It's not, com- not comparable at all. Not at all. No. And so I left the UK 20 years ago. So it's like, and so I was there 30 years and I've been in North America for 20 years. So like, I'm sort of soon going to be here an equal amount of time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, I do feel British still and I grew up there and I have a lot of it, you know, I still am very British, like in my mannerisms and my thought process and an attitude to things for sure. Um, but, um, then I moved to Canada. We lived in Boston for a while, but then we lived in Canada for 15 years. And Canada is a really nice transition for a Brit to come into North America. Okay. Well, because it's, it's very like, like Toronto where we lived was very liberal and multicultural, very diverse on a socioeconomic and gender diversity, all of racial, all of those things. It was, so it was a really good place to bring my kids up. I was a bit concerned about coming to Houston because of I really need those things in my life. But I find that Houston is very different to what I expected. And it does have those aspects. You've just got to actively um, search them out. It's very, very diverse in a, in a more segregated way, I would say. People might not okay. like that when they, when they, if they're from Texas, but it's not like, you know, there's like areas where the Hispanics are and areas where the black communities are. And I don't like that so much. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the um, workforce is concerned, there's a massive medical center here. There's all the oil and gas. So it brings people from all over the world here. So the restaurants are fantastic when you can go to them, obviously in, in a normal circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> um, the artwork's fantastic. You know, there's lots of really cool things to do down here. So to me, it's just another adventure, like another oh, tick in the that's box. That's a good approach. That's a good, atti- mm-hmm. that's a good attitude for something like that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm lucky enough right now to live where where I grew up. Um, I have not always, I have not stayed here in Pennsylvania, but I got to come back and I've been back here a good long time and I like it. I like that I'm, I like that I'm home and I'm, I'm where I grew up, but um, I like your attitude of, you know, looking at it as an adventure to be somewhere else. 
And you know, it's funny because I, when I grew up, I always knew I wanted to go and travel. I always had that wanderlust. So it was never a surprise that I left home at 16, you know, and then I lived in London for a while and then I traveled around and I do a lot of traveling. And I don't think I'll ever go back to the UK. It's not, a, it's not on my to-do list. I visit often, like most years or every other year. Maybe we'd go back to Scotland. My husband's Scottish and I really like the landscape there and we're big hikers and stuff so mm-hmm. it's it, the bloody not great weather but yeah. it's be- so beautiful that it sort of overrides that you know so so you know usually if we're together talking about something it's menopause right that's the subject but today that's not going to be every subject. damn day in our <laughs> inbox we're always dming each other if i'm not taking the piss out of you for something it's like talking either about amanda's menopause making fun of me or we're talking about menopause uh today. Well, we are God, for, about God forbid I say anything nice about you. You know, if I could take <laughs> the piss out of you first, I will, right? <laughs> so before we talk about today's big subject, I do want to talk about menopause very briefly about your book because I was super excited to see you announced the other day. So Amanda has written a book. It's coming out October, correct? October 20th. <laughs> October 20th. And it's called Menopocalypse. And it's now on the Amazon it hit number one for the category of menopause, correct? Am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, which, which I think sounds exciting. My I think it's exciting like, too. My kids were like, oh, wow, like hardly. It was number 10 in women's health. And, and so all, those, I think so, like in the US. Like the, and so I think it's because, you know, I'm always talking about it. I'm hardly a shrinking violet. So I'm very clear about what, you know, like I'll talk to people and tell people what I'm doing. I'm not overly salesy though. I don't love like blowing my own trumpet, but I do, I'm excited about this because I think it's going to be such a useful, helpful book. And it was the only reason I wrote it is because I had this body of work and you were the same with the stuff you put out. It's really useful stuff that women need to know. And so, um, it is there now that it's up for, and so it's up for pre-order. And so I sort of like tugged at people's like, you said you were going to buy my book. Well, you can buy it now. And so (laughs) I think people did. So it did well on its pre-orders, but the launch isn't until October. And the premise of the book is, um, about my experience through menopause, which goes from perimenopause through to menopause I'm menopausal now and um all the struggles I faced the challenges with finding valid information which you know all about because these are the conversations yes. we have it's a little bit easier these days I think but like a year ago when I started going through this like 42 43 it was just like nothing none of well, the it's medical- easier because people like you are talking about it right like that's why it's, yeah. it's getting easier for people because we're talking about it now and Exactly. And still, I feel like we're talking about it, you know, this much, and we should be talking about it way more. But yeah, you know, it should be. It we're should making be dents. Com- yeah, we're making small dents, and it should be a conversation that we could have easily without going like menopause, like yeah. like whispering it and or not mentioning it to your friends. And now people do talk about it, so I love that. There's some great advocates out there. You've had Katarina Wilcon. She's mm-hmm. I became really close with her from Sweden. She's done a great job with her book, Perimana yes. Power. There's loads of people out there, Heather, Dr. Heather Hirsch, yes. et cetera, et cetera. And so this, the, the book's in two parts, and the first part's really about my experience, what we know about menopause, what the medical professionals professionals and um, medical organizations are saying about first-line treatment options. I answered the question, you know, the most popularly asked things like, like, why am I getting so fat? Like, and, and I also have one about dry vaginas, a whole chapter about dry vaginas <laughs> and everything that goes with so it. There's something to look forward to. <laughs> Indeed. Give it to your husband to read. I actually think this is a good coffee table book that you could put down <laughs> and everyone, buy it for your, your husband for Christmas. I'm telling you. And then the second half of the book is the, is the work, like the, the solution based stuff that you and I talk about you more so because I don't have clients and, and you like are actively helping people a little bit more on a personal level, but it's all of the stuff that you can control. That's not going to just support you. It's, I'm not telling you anything that's going to fix anything or mend anything. Cause it's obviously not something that's broken, right. but it's so challenging that if there's certain things that you can take control of through this period, through to menopause, and then the rest of your life, it's sort of like bulletproofing you ready for longevity right and so I have an exercise strength program that's just a 12-week basic strength program for those who have never tried it before 
or maybe who have and just want to change things up. So then a nutritional aspect, one all about stress management um, and sleep. I put those both together because I do feel like they sort of go hand in hand. And then uh, the last chapter I wrote with a, a psychologist friend of mine, and it's all about resiliency mindset. And this is my oh. Brené Brown moment. And my dream of writing that chapter is Brené Brown lives about two blocks away. And I don't know why we're not best friends. Why would I have two blocks away from you? Okay, I could see you being best friends. I could see that. You know that movie? There was a terrible movie out called Wine Country, and it was awful. And it was about these people like women, women like us, and they all got together. They were all like, We're sick of our lives. We're going to go to wine country, get drunk, and have a girls' weekend. And it was just, it had like Amy Schumer in and Tina Fey and all of those. And it was a Netflix movie. And I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to watch this. And, and, and it was awful. I hated it. But there's one scene where they go to a restaurant and Brené Brown's there. And they're all at the table going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's Brené Brown. And they're all like, let's not say anything. Let's be cool. Let's be cool. Let's not even stare over. And that's <laughs> like me. That's, that would totally be me. Then they get drunker and drunker and drunker. And then they go over and talk to her. And Brené Brown sits there and goes, can we talk about boundaries? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a feeling that I would knock on the door and say, Brené, I want to be your friend. And she'd be like, boundaries? <laughs> maybe you'll just run into her sometime. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Make it happen. You, could, you could start taking your walks in her neighborhood. Well, I say two blocks away. It probably is more like three mile away, but you know, she's in right. Houston. A long walk away. <laughs> so Okay, let's transition here to our subject for today. You know, Amanda and I are both really passionate about getting good information out there. Usually the subject is menopause. Today it is not. Today the subject is COVID, COVID-19. But the idea is still we want to get some good information out there to you. Um, I want Amanda to share her story. Um, Amanda has had COVID, is still dealing with COVID, and that's really the, the big part of what we want to talk about here. But why don't you kind of tell people before we talk about you actually getting COVID, talk about where you were at with your health and fitness right before, like generally, like what what's your lifestyle like like that? Um, so, you know, perimenopause had been a struggle for me. And uh, one of the things that you and I talk about all the time is that, you know, when you're faced with physical and emotional and mental challenges from that huge chemical shift that happens when your hormones start changing that you can't always be on your health and fitness a hundred percent of the time it's just very very difficult to have that consistency when life throws you a curveball right and I'd faced these challenges for the previous like five to eight years and um, you know I had ups and downs and and I've spoke about my struggles with like chronic migraines like three months of migraines and you know, stuff like that and depression and blah, 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 lots of different symptoms. And, um, and so I'd actually learned to sort of like deal with those. And that's, you know, a really important topic of conversation, like how when I couldn't do, say, the workout I wanted to do or my eating went off kilter because I wasn't completely focused, how I dealt with the mindset that helped me get back on the train without guilt, without pressure without judgment all of those things and so I think as you go through midlife menopause these are really important things to learn and to deal with and and I think because I had that attitude when I started to feel good around about Christmas I just had this big click and everything just fell into place I'd stopped I'm, I'm actually menopausal now and I have been probably for a good year to, to year and a half and even when you go into menopause there's still a um, shifts with the hormones and I actually think mine have like calmed right down now and so January to March I just was rocking it I just felt really strong the photo shoot on my book was taken then and it sort of really it really encompasses what I was feeling I was sort of back to feeling invincible again I was feeling strong I was like fit out and um, I don't know I just felt good I just felt like myself again and it was a long time since it had been like that so literally to the day before I got my first symptom of COVID I just thought back I've got this yeah yeah and then when did you um, hair on my eye. that's why I keep prodding my face Sorry. oh okay <laughs> When did you first, when did you have your first symptoms of Corona? So it's very interesting. So, <clears throat> you know, when someone says it's very interesting and it better be interesting, but I think, I think <laughs> make this interesting. interesting. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the day before I got up at a reasonable time, I'd sort of got into it. It was, it was March break. We'd started stay at home protocol. So then we didn't go away much break. We changed our mind. We decided we would stay home. The kids were at school had just closed and we were like, let's just have the week off. We know they're not going to go back. Um, I was the one that did everything. The kids and my husband stayed at home. He was working um, and I was doing like, like all the food shopping and doing the errands and stuff, right? And at the time, if you remember March break, nobody was wearing masks. I was sanitizing my hands, but probably wasn't as uber cautious as I am now or any of us are now. And um, the and so I just was like, I'm a little bit bored here. Like, like I don't have a lot to do. So I got up and I'd done a big training session in the morning. And then my son and I had started that couch to 5K program. And so we went out for a 5K run together. And I'd done a little, I carried on and did a little bit more. Um, and then when I got home at the end of the run, I was like, ah, oh, it's allergy season. And you know, with menopause, it can change your histamine intolerance slightly. Yeah. And, um, and so I'd started getting allergies and I'd never had them before. And my eyes were really itching. I was like, oh, I could just scratch my eyes. They're driving me crazy. And sort of like three or four days, my eyes started like to just be all swollen and stuff. And, um, and then I started burning up. Um, but I checked my thermometer. I think it might have been broken, but I checked my thermometer and I didn't sort of see anything, but I would like just got drenched in sweat and then get freezing cold. And I was like, oh God, I'm getting hot flashes. They've just come out of nowhere. I've never had them. Yeah, I remember you DM'd me and you're like, tell me about your hot flashes again because that was not a part of your perimenopause experience. No, and it is for many, many women. In fact, that's usually their worst symptoms and I'd never had it. And I I attributed that to the like, um, strength training because we know right. this we've spoke about the association of like more lean muscle mass to less face mm -hmm. or motor symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats. And then, uh, yeah, and so that was it. For the first few days, I had itchy eyes and these sweats, and I just um, assumed they were menopause and allergies, but antihistamines did nothing, nothing. And so by the weekend, I was like, I don't think this is allergies, and I just didn't feel well. You know, I just had a malaise, like mm -hmm. that wouldn't shift. And I was like, ah, it's just a bug. I just thought it was just a bug. I couldn't work yeah. out what it was. So I just, that was, that's how it started. So the day before I'd done this epic workout day because I had so much time on my hands. Yeah. And how, when you first went to get diagnosed, like when you first went to take the test, it, it was not smooth sailing, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I can spin a yarn. So if you need me to hurry no, up. No, no, no. Right, yeah, 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 this is what this is about. I can Let's tell a story. Spin all Thanks the yarn. I'm, I mean, I feel like I've had like the, uh, like, I feel like I've had, I'm now, I've now become like the fit person who got COVID and is struggling with it, right? So that's what, what this is about, right? And, it, and I think it's raising awareness that um, the message that's out there, that unless you're um, obese, um, have healthcare issues, underlying comorbidities, blah, blah, blah you're going to be fine. You're going to be asymptomatic. And I, and I, as we go further on, I want to talk about like the different pockets I see people falling into. Yeah. But for me, by the Monday, like the following week, um, I'd sort of said to my husband, I don't think I'm getting very well. And he said, well, what else have you got? And I said, well, it, and, and you can hear my voice is raspy now. And it's basically been like that since the get go. And mm -hmm. like, it, it feels like tight here. And, um, anyway, and so I, <clears throat> did the online assessment and it said go for a test go for a, a it gave me a covid test and at the time in houston you couldn't get them very easily and i thought oh maybe the things i'm experiencing fall into those categories so i it was a drive-through so i went to the drive-through waited two hours and got right to the front and it was all outside and there was all these tents and there was people in ppe and it was like something out of the movie contagion it was crazy and um a storm came and started blowing the tents and they looked like they were gonna so the police came and sent us all home and I was like two from the front I was like you gotta be jesting me so I go home 
And I go back the next day and I get there super early and I'm an hour before it even opens. So I'm the first in line. I get to the front of the line in the car. They don't give you the test. It was a self-administered swab that you put up the front of your nose, not even the back of your nose. Oh, it was a self-administered. It was, oh, right? Because I, I heard to even... like get a good diagnosis, like you had to be practically touching your brain with that thing, right? Is, oh, you... you've got to pick, pick a bit of the gray matter. That's what I understood. And I was really confused like, by I'm it. I'm not and doing came... that to myself. Yeah, no, exactly right. It has to be done. And so I, um, it came back negative and I was like, fine, I don't have it. It's something else. And that felt good to me. Right. And then I, I say, I don't know exactly the timeline, but say a week later, I, I simply wasn't getting better. And I know you got sick at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, go get tested, Kim. I hope you don't have it. So sick for the longest. It was, I've never been sick for that long. <laughs> No. And I think you probably maybe had flu. And I think I may have had it too. And you know, when I finally talked to my doctor about it, she's like, all right, if call me back tomorrow, if nothing has changed, because I don't remember what was going on and I couldn't get in that day. She's like, well, I'll send you for a test. And then I was better enough the next day. And then I got worse again. I think I had it. Yeah. I, and I think we're all, and, and you know, they were giving you, these are the symptoms you have. And it's obviously all the time now. I mean, we're six months since it's all happened. Really. Yeah. If we took, go back to the January and um, mm-hmm. Symptoms that people are talking about. I'm in these big Facebook groups with 100,000 people. The symptoms are nothing compa- like that they're, they're talking about. Like, you know, it's so big. Yeah. So we're learning and learning and learning. We have to be open-minded about it, as do the medical profession as well. I need to talk to you about getting gaslighted by my nurse practitioner during oh, this. So I get a, neg- a negative test. I don't get much better. So I try and see my own doctor who's only doing video consults and he's jammed so um the nurse practitioner a a different one a great guy did a video consult with me and he went i think that you have um coronavirus and i was like well no i had a negative test and he went those tests are so terrible and he says we just don't trust them and your symptoms are so classic but we need to rule out pneumonia flu mono you need a chest x-ray go to the nearest urgent care so I go to my nearest urgent care and um, I, you have to phone ahead. They refused to let me in. They made me sit in the car. They were like, yep, you've got COVID. We can't have you in here. And I went, I have a negative test in my hand. And he went, it's, I'm afraid it doesn't really mean very much to us. We don't put too much trust in the test. It's symptom-based. Eventually, I persuaded him to go. I was like, listen, you have to. I need to know if, I haven't, if I've got a chest infection, I need antibiotics. So we, I go in. Eventually, they like literally like huddle me into a back room. All my tests are completely clear. I do have a temperature. My oxygen's a little bit low, but I'm talking like in the low 90s, not anything like crazy. He says, no mono, no, no flu, nothing. Your chest x-ray is fine. I'm going to give you a diagnosis of COVID. I really want you to go home and self-isolate. And I said, well, I am anywhere. And I went, but I don't think I've got COVID. And he went, I do. There's nothing else that you have. And we don't have the COVID tests here. And even if we did, I wouldn't give you the tests because they're not reliable. And if you think about it, this was in March, right? When they were like just bringing out the tests. Three weeks later, so, so I'm probably at like week three, four. I'm now in bed with a fever and I'm coughing and it hurts. And I, um, I joke now because of what Trump said, but it felt like I'd been eating glass and washing it down with Clorox. It just, but everything hurt. It was awful. And I um, have family in Canada I think my, say my internet's connection is unstable. Yeah, so let me just it, make sure you can still hear me. It broke up for just a second, but I can hear you again now. Okay. All right. Then. Yes. Yeah, so I, mean, I hate it when it does that when you know you have a modem sat next to you. It's just like, uh, yeah, screw your like, modem. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> so, so the only way to get a real assessment was to go to ER. And I've always been reluctant to do that. And I don't like that about the medical system here, that if you really want to see someone, you've got to like go to that. It just, I didn't want to overwhelm the system. But it was 11 o'clock at night and my family who work in hospitals in Canada just said, well, if you're going to do it anytime, do it at night. And then, you know, you know, you're not overwhelmed and it should be quiet. So I go on, they've got this special tent set up and I was the only one there. So I, uh, oh, wait, we broke, you broke up again. There. I have um, chest x-ray, test my oxygen. So we back it jammed up again yeah there we go there we go 
we're back again, yeah. So I, the, the, the ER team there were really efficient. And like I say, I was the only one there. They gave me full spectrum of tests. And they said to me, so uh, your oxygen is slightly low you, uh, um, and your temperature is a little bit high, but you're not in a, you, we don't need to hospitalize you. And that's the main thing you need to know. And I was really worried about that. My kids were like crying going, don't go to the hospital. Because at the time, everyone was really nervous about like going to a hospital. I mean, yeah. now in Houston, I think it's 96% of the people going through the COVID wards are coming home. Like they're really making progress, which is amazing. But I didn't need that. And then, the do- and then so the doctor came and he went, okay, so we've given you um, a diagnosis of presumptive COVID. And I went, oh, don't you test? And he went, well, we can test you if you want to. Um, and it, the tests take about five hours to turn around. You can't leave. You have to stay here. Bearing in mind, this is midnight now. And, and I'm on four mica chairs in the waiting room. And he yeah. just said, um, and he says, and I have to be completely honest, like there's no point. And he says, and there's no point because we're doing these tests with people with 70% oxygen who have got COVID in their lungs. We can see it on the x-ray and it's coming back negative. It just doesn't matter. Go home and rest. They gave me the Z-pack and the inhalers and all of this stuff. So I went home, was sick for another week. I was under no doubt that I had COVID and then I started to turn a corner and then this is where we are now right so now we're at the stage where I was sick for a good solid four weeks four and a bit weeks and I'm now at week 12 and I'm still recovering and I thought I was going crazy Kim and then and and I think that the conversation has changed now and I'm seeing this in the and and I post all the time on Facebook and stuff and in Instagram that they're now talking about as 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 long haulers yeah I had never heard that word until you said it last week I had not heard that that's not something people are talking a lot about but I think so now it's like everything once you start talking about it they are and like there's there's like tens of thousands of these people going um past like 28, I think they're saying over a month, they're considered long, long haulers. I watched, uh, I was in a group, I'm in a Facebook group. Um, there's two, um, one's, called, one's for over 80 days, which is what I am. And one's called the survivor core. And I think in America, you call them corps. You say the S, yeah. C-O-R-P-S, so the survivor uh-huh. core. And um, there's like 65,000 people all exactly like me in there, all saying, I don't get this. Like I've had positive tests. I've got negative antibodies and I've had negative um, COVID tests, but I've got positive antibodies. I'm so sick. I'm not getting better. Any combination of those things are in there, right? I think I personally am of the opinion that the tests are worthless. Unless they've really improved, I don't have any any trust in them at all and I think the CDC have sort of basically said they're they're undercounting because of that Mm. um but I mean that's just maybe my conspiracy theory and just my experience right but um so people are in that group saying why am I not getting better why are other people getting better and why are some people just like hanging on to this and so um, like the, that's the, the bulk of the conversation I, I think we should talk about today because I see the, the people that are asymptomatic all the way to the people unfortunately don't survive this right yeah and then you have those that are like going down that are hospitalized and those that like are on oxygen and then you have those that, like I said, it, oh, have COVID, but then they, and they, oh, here we go. It's gone unstable again. I'll just pause because. It's good now. It's good now. It's it good was, now. It, yeah. it already broke up. And then it, I think it gives, it's somehow giving you the message that it's unstable after you come back. Oh, oh, well, I'm okay, okay to just, I'm okay to, to repeat it. This is real life people. We're okay yeah. with that. Right. <laughs> and so, and then there's this chunk of people in the middle that are just not recovering. I'm not recovering quickly. And the journey to recovery is, is almost like it undulates, it vacillates. So you feel good or almost normal. Like today I feel good, almost normal, but I've still got really tight chest. I'm still fatigued, but I feel almost normal. I'm pottering around. I'm not exercising. I'm not. Do, I'm going for little walks. That's all I can do. But I'm sort of feeling like I'm on my road to recovery only to just do the 
tiny bit extra and just like extra load of laundry or something and then I'm back in bed for days and it's awful and like the fatigue and the, and the pain are really real and I just thought it was me going crazy and so um, my doctor is was awesome about it. He was like, it's probably just post-viral syndrome. It's very common. Even with people who've had the flu, they can have like symptoms that last for six to eight weeks afterwards, like say a cough that doesn't go. And so don't be too surprised by it. Um, but then what happened is there is a, a clinic in New York called uh, Mount Sinai. There's some in Toronto as well, but the one in Mount Sinai in New York have got a post-COVID unit. And they said they're seeing 30 to 40% of the COVID patients of New York fitting into this long haul sort of category. That's huge. I've also read 1% and um, 10%, like one in 10. So even if it's between 10 and 30% of people that get COVID to some degree. I would think not those hospitalized, but those on the other end of the scale that have mild to moderate. They're not recovering. Like I, if I was working full time, I couldn't be going to work right now. I don't feel well enough to go to work and none of the people do. Um, And they're in situations where they're not going to work and they're not getting paid employment. I don't know what you call it here. Like you don't have social insurance, but you do get paid if you're off sick, right? And then because the symptoms are so vague and there's no real diagnosis for it, there's people who are struggling to get paid. And so they're going into work really sick. And so the the doctor, I watched this live webinar and he said, we're literally just trying to work out what on earth's going on. What we think with the virus is doing is waking up old dormant viruses in the body and so or it's going into different systems in the body like the gi tract or the neurological as like like so for me one of the things i struggle with is sleeping never never have in my life but i'm awake four or five times a night drenched in sweat and freezing cold um uh, and and that seems to be a very common and it's actually had that i've had that since the beginning um, and I don't think it's just anxiety driven and, and a lot of people are going to the doctors and they get an anti-anxiety meds, but I, it's, it's a, it feels like a physical symptom, not a neurological symptom to me. Interesting. Um, so then, but the next thing about it is, um, I recently had some blood work done like, uh, four days ago and I got the results back yesterday. And this is, I think is like the f- most fascinating thing about this is I, my blood results came back with a positive for me having recently contracted um, Epstein-Barr virus, which is sometimes known as mono, the kissing, the kissing oh. um, virus. Um, and it's a member of the herpes family. My kids were like, they were like, I'm not contagious. But what apparently Epstein-Barr virus, and if I'm talking shape, then completely people can write in and tell you, my understanding that the Epstein-Barr virus um, sits in about nine in 10 people. Most of the population have it because it's so very easy to contract from exchanging, drinking out of each other's cups. It's a saliva transmitted and most people in their lives are asymptomatic. I mean, you know, you hear of teenagers getting mono and getting knocked out for three months and stuff, but mostly it can, um, the majority of people are asymptomatic. I don't in my life nor think I've ever had it. The only time I feel like I've ever been unwell was through perimenopause and then here. I'm not like a generally sickly person. I happened to speak to a virologist yesterday who did his PhD in the Epstein-Barr virus, which is just coincidental. And he emailed me back and he went, this makes so much sense because the Epstein-Barr virus, like other like viruses in that family, herpes, latent, they, their job is to sit dormant in the body, waiting for an opportunity to come out again. And he says, just the crushing um, sense that the um, COVID-19 um, destroys the immune system, like it does it, like it depletes it completely wakes up those viruses and there's they're now seeing um this it was it was published in the lancet medical journal this Mm -hmm. week um but it's not peer-reviewed but it's definitely going through the system that they did a a study in um china of 67 people and 57 percent of them i think it was or 53 percent had the epstein-barr virus 
So it seemed, and, and I'm wondering if this is what my long tail symptoms are because it makes so much sense because I have this crushing fatigue and soreness and everything, yeah. which is very typical of mono. And if that's the case, then it's time rest and it should be fine. But we're talking Who, a lot of time. This isn't a little bit of time. Three months, three months, yeah, so far. And, and But just, just the nature of that being a possibility to me is like fascinating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because if people are then um, like struggling with things, the doctors should be like so open-minded and be looking for other things and not just looking for COVID because my antibody tests were, were negative. Interesting. Yeah, I, did, I haven't had a positive test and I've had three positive diagnoses, but no pod- positive testing. Wow. But, I've had, but I have had COVID without a doubt. I have yeah. no doubt in my mind, yeah. Interesting. And so are the people in these groups that you are in, are they um, having similar experiences to you as far, are the symptoms similar as far as what's happening to them over a long period of time? Yeah, they're almost identical. And so, I mean, there's variations of them. Some people are having skin issues and black toe and things a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. The COVID toe is a thing, like losing. I've never heard of COVID toe. Yeah. Yeah. You're not in the COVID rabbit hole that I'm in. No, I'm not. Yeah. And, um, but the, the main things are the shortness of breasts, shortness of breasts. It's definitely something I have. I have shortness of breasts. (laughs) That could be how you think shortness of breasts and shortness of breath as well is definitely um definitely one of the and like crushing fatigue and the like pain in the chest, like the weight, the pressure, that type of thing, and the coughing and stuff. So I mean I might have some residual COVID stuff happening, but then maybe because I've now got like the mono, it's just something else. It, like it's a pretty harsh virus. And I think that one of the things I the reason I've been like really vocal about it is one, because I'm so curious and I want to know answers, right? I'm always looking for answers, right? They were talking about blood type. They were talking about immunizations against rubella. Remember German measles rubella, mm-hmm. MMR being something that could protect you, that estrogen was protective and all of these different things they're looking at. So it's really, really curious for me because I want to know why all the time. Like, why am I, why when I was so fit and healthy and I was going to say young, but I don't think we, we fall into the young category <laughs> as far as uh, COVID. Speak for yourself. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm like a month older than you I know you're so much older than me (laughs) (laughs) but but I mean all of the other categories like I like I even had blood work done to just my annual checkup just before I got COVID and my immune response was good my um health markers were good my weight was all of those things were good I wasn't a candidate to get sick Mm -hmm. considering what everyone's talking about in the media, but now they're saying younger people are getting sick and they're really worried that they're going to have these long haul symptoms um, because they just simply don't know where this virus is going. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. It's been a real, real slog and it's been horrible. Um, and it, it drives me crazy when I see the ambivalence of people. I mean, I'm in Texas for Christ's sake. Like, yeah. It's like, I just don't understand why there's so much mistrust from public health officials and mistrust about the science. These people we never have ever seen in our lifetime on TV. They don't come on TV and talk about things because their place is in a lab doing their work. They've worked on this all their lives. And we're in such a serious situation now that they need to come on and talk to us and we don't believe them. Mm -hmm. I just, I literally don't understand that. And so... And so what do you want people to know? Like, what's well, your message I, to people? Yeah, they just don't assume that everything's... Well, I don't want to be a, the prophet of doom and gloom, but I also just don't want to assume that because you're fit and healthy that you won't get sick. Mm-hmm. And so I was on a, a Facebook um post the other day with a, a mutual friend you know Josh Hillis I love him he's such a great guy and um, he was just posting about something and some fit pro went on there with 
arrogance that drove me crazy and he was like we know that 99% of those that die are obese have diabetes have comorbidities that they could take control of diet and fitness and taking control of your health is number one right now in fighting this disease and um he didn't say it with any compassion. It was literally like, you're fat and overweight and unhealthy and you're going to die. It was just gross. Everything about it was gross. So I was like, well, what about somebody like me? I was never going to go to hospital because I have a healthy immune response. Like despite being still sick, my immune response is what's kept me out of hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I said, but what about somebody like me that's got sick enough that three months later, I'm still not well. And I, all my health markers got the tick in the box, right? Yeah. Like, um, what's the, and what about people who have, um, and, and even, even the shaming, even, I, I don't want to get away from the fact that you should never shame somebody right. about being overweight or having an underlying health condition at all, ever. Um, but what about those that have underlying health conditions that are genetic, that are like something that they're predisposed to anyway, or to immune diseases, diabetes one, anything like yeah. that. It was just, it's such a terrible, terrible attitude to have. Um and so like what I would just say to people is just don't make the assumption that you're just going to be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And so therefore just go about your life without thinking about others and taking precautions and, and doing the right thing. So like, like for me, like I have had COVID in my mind. I don't know that the antibodies stay around. They now are saying that they don't think there's, they've got a long shelf life. Who knows? Um, I wear a mask wherever I go. I sanitize all the time. One, I don't want to get it again. I could, right? I also want to, other people around me to feel secure and safe and know that I respect them, right? It's really, really important that we do that as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so that's the first thing is just really be precautious so we can, like there's countries that have nailed this, you know, they've put this virus to bed and they've done what it takes to make this happen. And this country is just heading in the wrong direction and it scares me. And so I think that if we can just all do our part and just get back to sort of like some sense of normality, whatever that might be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like, just really like steer clear of harmful people like that guy that makes you feel bad about yourself, that you may be a candidate because you are overweight or whatever. Like if you want to do something proactive, then yeah, you can take control of your health. And I highly encourage that. So do you. I mean, it's what we do, right? We do it without shame and judgment every time. And then yeah. stay away from the shills and the charlatans that are selling you bullshit immune boosting diets and and gimmicks that are not proven there's so much that they don't know about this virus and there's people selling you absolute measures to be able to protect yourself and there's no protection against this apart from the social distancing sanitization wear a mask and stay home if you're sick yeah right you know the shame thing is so interesting when people try and take that that tactic because i'm thinking it doesn't even work like people don't I mean, look, people still smoke when they know it, that they can get cancer, right? Like that doesn't work. It's not like, like, oh, thank you for telling me. I did. I didn't know, you know, people, it's not a, it's not an effective tactic. So I don't know why people do it. And then the, um, this, the last part you said there about the, the people trying to shill stuff. It was, it was fast that people started, people came yeah. out on Instagram, all the people who were like gut health experts were now all of a sudden immune system experts, right? And they had all the solutions for what you needed to buy from them. And it was fascinating how fast that moved. Did you see that? Oh yeah. And, and like, that's a, a big red flag for me. If somebody is telling you something and it comes with a product that's mm -hmm. all I care about. Absolutely. And, you know, immunize, immunizologists and um, gut experts are not telling you this. Yeah. You know, doctors who do this for a living and who are experts on this don't go on Instagram and tell you. That should be also a red yeah. flag anyway. They don't go on Instagram or anywhere else and tell you to buy something. There's nothing about, there's nothing like that. They're saying the same things Amanda is. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Social distance. Yeah. 
And, and, and the idea that you can boost an immune system that is innate in your body. Like, so we are both, um, we've both studied nutrition. We know nutrition well enough to be able to advise people the best things they can do to support their body, to eat well, to lose weight if they want to, to build lean muscle mass. We can do all of that. The, um, the immune system is such a complex um, system that it takes people 13, 14 years of their medical um, lifetime to get a grasp on it. And they still don't know a lot about it, but they do know that you don't boost immune systems by drinking a green smoothie you can support your immune system and that's completely different you can support your immune system by eating a good um healthy diet that's full of nutrients right yeah clearly that's going to be better for your immune system than eating a, um, hamburgers every day and sweets and crisps and stuff like that obviously right but it doesn't boost it so when someone's selling you turmeric and green shots and stuff to tell you to take that in order to beat um, a disease, then it's, it's just unfollow the fuckers. It drives me crazy. It's a huge red flag. It's just, as soon as I see something like that, I'm just like, okay, not credible, not a credible person to listen to on, on any subject. There's a great person to follow on Instagram and she's called the vitamin PhD. I think you, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gabrielle Fondaro. She's been on my yeah. podcast before. Right. Right. So look, there's someone who will just tell it like it is straight. And she's yeah. a myth buster as well. And I think that like, if you're going to follow people like that, she won't ever put personal information that you could like, I, I, as in like consulta consultation, but mm -hmm. she's invested her educational career in understanding like gut health and gut how health it is her big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how it impacts the immune system and everything. So follow people that are like reliable. Absolutely. It's really good advice. Well, Amanda, I hope that uh, you continue to recover maybe even at a faster pace than you have already. Gosh, it will be interesting to see how long it takes you to fully recover from this and what your comeback is like. I mean, it's fair to say, you know, I've, I haven't been so positive all the time when I'm really like, there have been days where I've like had a pity party and I've been full of tears thinking, am I ever going to feel well? Because nobody knows, like nobody actually knows what's going on. And am I going to like be riddled with chronic fatigue syndrome for the rest of my life? That would just be dire for me. And I, nobody knows these things, but I understand how being positive can help you through these things. But um, it, 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 for me, the, hard, the hardest part, and especially when I was really sick with the COVID, is how isolating it is. My family basically closed the bedroom door on me and I just felt abandoned, alone yeah. and scared because yeah. of all of the symptoms I was having. And lots of people do that. And I'm not blaming my family, although they were a bit turdy. And one, at one point I said, you are allowed to bring me a cup of tea. You know, I'm not a <laughs> leper. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's hard because people are scared and, you know, trying to socially distance, even, you know, especially when somebody has it, but that does leave a person feeling very isolated and alone. You know, and you think about all the people who, who died in hospitals alone with just, you know, their nurse there because. Exactly. I mean, and that's when I, and so when I'm having a pity party, that's where I go straight away. Yeah. This could have been so much worse. Yeah. This could have been so much worse. And it's, um, if I, I feel like I look at the numbers today, 127,000 people have died in four month period since we started counting in the U S and that's terrible. Yeah. And if we can, if we can do something to stop that trend, then we have to. And I don't know when numbers like that became acceptable, but it almost feels like they are to some people. Yeah. I, don't under, I still don't understand it, but so there we go. So that's it. So my, so my whole thing is that like, um, really advocate for yourself. Like I said, my, um, I'm not going to go into the story, but I'll just sort of say the nurse, the second nurse practitioner I saw basically said, you look okay. And all your tests are negative. So, you know, I don't know what I can and do that's to help when you. You were feeling and, really bad. Like you were extremely ill. Uh, and so I just was like, no, this, this isn't okay. And that's happening a lot to people The doctors don't know. And so they just, either dismissing or giving like like say anti-anxiety meds and stuff so 
push, push, push for um, someone to listen to you. Find these community groups that are talking about um, their symptoms. Nobody's in there really sort of saying what you should do to get better. They're really just trying to share stories and it's mm -hmm. really quite fascinating. Um, and, and then just, you know, the, the, the quicker that we pull this all together, the quicker it'll be over, hopefully. I just want to start yeah. traveling again, don't you? I want oh to my go on holiday. Yes. All my trips were canceled except for I'm going to the Jersey Shore this coming week, which is, you know, two hours from my house. But I've, uh, I had big trips planned this year and not going anywhere. Don't going anywhere. talk to people. When you go to the Jersey Shore, don't talk to anyone. <laughs> Avoid humans. I hate humans right now anyway. <laughs> hate humans. You know what? Well, something you said just a minute ago before the hate humans part, it reminded me back to menopause when you were talking about advocating for yourself in this area and how, you know, a doctor was, uh, or a nurse practitioner was dismissive of you. I'm thinking like this yeah. Reminds me of my own personal story with, with menopause and of so many others. You know, we're sure there's something wrong. We're sure it's, I don't need antidepressants. Like, we're sure that's not the issue, right? And people, you know, medical professionals dismiss but, us. But what did it do to you? How did it make you feel when she did that? Dismissed? Oh, horrible. And that's the point, right? Yeah. Like that I had to actively go out and seek knowledge, figure out, you know, what good next steps would be and go in. And I had to, and it's terrible that I had to do it, but I had to really stand my ground and argue with the doctor about this, you know, and had I not gone out and done the research to advocate for myself, I would have, I would have not gotten well because yeah. that doctor just totally dismissed how I was feeling and what I yeah. needed and was and I think part of the issue was she was not educated well enough to actually help me, which is sad because she's an OBGYN. Well, you know, we know that that we know that that's a big thing here, of course, right? Yeah, and I think that's you know the same thing we're seeing with COVID. A lot of doctors, you know, nobody knows which way is up. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? I mean, and, and I actually sympathize a little bit because, I mean, how can they when they don't know? They're learning on the job, literally, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you can you should be dismissive of your patients. You yeah. should still try and help them. Yeah. Yeah. So advocate for yourselves, people, and wear a friggin' mask. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't be a dick. Wear a mask that everyone should. Yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Amanda. This is on, Kim. I know, I know it was a different type of conversation today. Um, but yeah, like, I just think that, like, I thought I was the unusual one not getting, and, and there was a lot of blame and um, you know, judgment on myself for that. When yeah. I found there's like hundreds of thousands of people like this, I'm realizing that this is something that people need to be aware of. And thankfully, you know, there's newspaper articles out there, some news coverage about it. So, you know, oh, just be safe. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.